Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are a woman that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you come to the right place. There are no hard and fast rules and you don't have to call yourself anything. You're just a woman that knows something isn't working for her and you are wanting to make an intentional change. I'm Rachel Pritz and I'll walk alongside you as you learn to drink less and live more. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. We are knee deep into this holiday season and quite frankly, I'm having a lot of fun. I feel like I've got the shopping and all those things done. I've simplified my life. I did that a long time ago, um, really right after having kids to make it just a bit easier around the holiday season so I can actually, you know, enjoy it um, instead of running around like a crazy person and being grumpy about stores and all those things. So I feel like I'm in a pretty good place. We've done a lot of really fun things here locally in Indianapolis. So we've done Connor Prairie. They're very, Mary Prairie is really fun. The kids always love that every year. Um, We have done the Lights at the Fair, which is a fun ride. It's a little wild. Like the the show is pretty uh, pretty wild, Um, but we had a lot of fun doing that. And then we have plans to do the Yuletide Celebration, which is a lovely concert and show that's put on every year. I don't remember how many years it's been. I think it's been 40 plus years, maybe longer. And it's one of my favorite traditions every year. So we're doing that on Friday and, you know, just doing all the things and um, also factoring in some rest time and home time, which I think we do a pretty good job of balancing that. So so that's where we are at as a family and where I'm at just kind of uh, as a woman during a very busy time. You know, I, because I don't work for a company anymore, I own my own company I don't have, you know, lots of parties and all those things to go to Christmas parties. And so it's like, it's kind of fun. So my husband and I decided like, we're going to host an adult dinner party. So that's what we're doing between Christmas and New Year's and everybody's getting babysitters and we're all just going to be adults together. So it'll be super fun. Um, There will be drinks there and I will have some drinks there, uh, but I will not have too many drinks where I don't feel good in the morning. So that's what I love about it is I'm in that place now with my relationship with alcohol. And I couldn't have said that two years ago. So, um, certainly couldn't have said it three years ago. I'd kind of started that exploration then. So anyway, I'm excited for those, those, uh, holiday celebrations coming up and some time off and all those things. And then kicking it up like in January to really, you know, get our, my, my drink left less live more program, um, cohort started up, which is actually starting January 12th. If you do not subscribe to my emails, that announcement went out, this week. And what that's going to look like is really 12 weeks of weekly calls. So weekly zoom calls with me and with a cohort of women that are looking to evaluate their relationship with alcohol. You also get access to my online learning platform. And so there's 12 uh, weeks of content there as well. So that is sort of independent learning that you can start to grow and develop through this relationship. And quite frankly, the tools and the things that I walk through and the the pillars that I go through, which to remind you, those four pillars are self-compassion and self-love. I mean, who doesn't need more of that? I'm still working on this one, but I've come a long way. Self-compassion and self-love, self-awareness, which I do talk a fair amount about the Enneagram in there. Um, but self-awareness is another big, huge piece. Like what triggers us? Why does it trigger us? How do people respond to us? All those things. 
uh, emotional intelligence, which there is sort of a intertwining there with self-awareness for sure. But I really pulled out the emotional intelligence piece because I think it's so critical that we understand and articulate our emotions to a very fine degree. You know, we've learned now that emotional pain in our brains is actually felt in the exact same spot that physical pain is felt. We just don't have that physical manifestation. We just feel like crap and we don't know why. And there's no physical symptoms. And so we think, well, nothing must be wrong. But no, our body is giving us all the clues. Like something's wrong. We feel terrible. We have no energy. Um, We don't really care about anything right now. We're apathetic. You know, all those things. So so I find that to be really fascinating. I think it's something that we really need to dig into because it's not something we're taught as a culture to understand our emotions, know what to do with them, how to have them, you know, there and as information, but not to have them drive the the bus. Uh, so that's sort of what I teach in that part of the program. And then, and there's a lot of people pleasing boundary setting, which dear Lord, we all need that. Like I don't, I haven't met a woman on the planet that hasn't struggled with people pleasing um, and boundary setting and holding the boundary. We're pretty good at saying like, this is what I want, but then we don't hold the boundary. We let people sort of creep into those. So I talk a lot about that. And then the last one that I talk about is something I like to call soul care, which is so much deeper than this frivolous self care that we've created. And, you know, just hearing people talk about it as bubble baths or massages or even wine as self care. It makes me crazy It's not self-care. Those are coping mechanisms, right? Like we're using those things to escape. And the goal here is that we want to escape or we want to create a life that you don't have to escape from. So that's what soul care is. It's like, what does light your soul on fire? It can be such simple things that bring, you know, your soul alive. So we're trying to get back to like, what are those things? I often have clients go back to childhood and sort of thinking about what were the things that really were interesting to me? Funny enough, I, uh, you know, music was always so interesting to me and I listened to a lot of music. I performed in my room. I did do a musical my senior year of high school and then I joined the choir my sophomore year of high school and I always loved singing and I have a, you know, decent voice. Um, and so I loved all of that stuff, but I was really, I played sports because most of my friends played sports and I just did whatever most of my friends were doing. And I was a like mediocre athlete. Like I played, it was fine, but I would have much rather honed in on music. I think that's really what lights my soul on fire or what kind of brings my soul to life. And this weekend I went to a concert that had an orchestra and there were flute players there and I did play the flute in middle school. And so I was with my mom and I looked at her and I was like, I want to learn to play the flute again. Like I want to get a flute. I want to see how much I remember. I want to learn it again. And maybe someday I could play in this orchestra. It's not like a professional orchestra. It's at my church and you know, like it's, it's beautiful. It's they're they're great musicians, but I feel like if I really worked hard on it, I could do that. So I'm like, okay, I've, I want to do that. So that's on my goal list. I got my flute. It's actually, I'm looking at it right now. I was practicing it this morning and I can still play hot cross buns, which is so exciting. Um, but I don't know how to play anything else, nor do I know where my fingers go for all of the notes. So there we go. I got a lot of work to do, but that's what I'm talking about. Like that was something that I never had to be asked to practice as a kid. I just did it. I could play in my room for hours. Um, so those types of things is what I'm trying to grasp here with soul care. So anyway, I jumped right into that whole, you know, online learning part of it, but you're getting a lot there and you get that in addition to those 12 calls and the first calls for free. So you join the first call, you check out the vibe, you see if they're your people in the room 
I have no rules with this whole thing. Truly, if you want to keep drinking the way you're drinking right now and come, that's perfectly fine. Like this is meant to be your own experiment. So you can experiment in whichever ways that you want. If you want to take a break for, you know, a month or even the entire 12 weeks, perfect. That's great too. If you really want to never drink again, perfect. Great too. You'll be able to find something in this program, I think all of those those groups of people will be able to find some benefit from this and how we can create a healthier relationship with alcohol that is unique to us. So we're going to dive into something that has been on my mind for a while. I have a, actually have a TikTok that I think had like 2 million views or something ridiculous on this subject. So if you don't follow me on TikTok, you should go over there too. That's fun stuff. Um, and it's all around kind of soberish type of work. So the post that I made was about how I really didn't know how ingrained alcohol was in a corporate culture. So when you think about like you go out for drinks to celebrate a promotion, you go out for drinks after work when it's been a hard week, you have happy hours, you have parties that are at bars. And until I took that long break from drinking, it wasn't something I noticed because I was a drinker. So it was like, like, duh, of course we're going to go out for happy hour. It never dawned on me. And I have such an inclusive nature. Like my strengths finder is all about like connectedness, inclusivity. Like, you know, it's amazing to me that it never dawned on me to think about this because I think I was so ingrained in, in alcohol culture in the U.S. that I really thought everybody drank. Like I just didn't think like, oh, well, people just don't drink. I wasn't even considered like I'd worked with addicts. Like (laughs) I wasn't considering that they couldn't drink and maybe that would be a hard environment for them to be in. So quite frankly, I'm a bit embarrassed by the fact that these things didn't come to mind. But you know what? This is, I guess, what human evolution is all about. We're all kind of learning. And um, that's my goal is to never stop learning, you know? So so anyway, for those of you that maybe I didn't include, my apologies if you're listening to this, because that does actually kind of, you know, hurt my heart a little bit that I didn't consider that. And then the other uh, side of that is many important meetings happen with alcohol. So, you know, the the guys go out for bourbon and they know I don't like bourbon, so they don't invite me to the important meeting. So yes, we had a meeting on work hours. We made decisions. But then, you know, a few people are still going to make all the decisions on the other hand, on the other side of it. And they weren't including myself in conversations. They weren't including other women in conversations. Golfing is another thing. You know, they go out and golf and have drinks and make a lot of the decisions. And women are often not included. And I hate that. I mean, I hate that that's still the case today in 2022, but it is. I mean, I watched it and experienced it and it felt like I was on a freaking episode of Mad Men. And I just, it's fascinating to me that that's where it was. And I was in healthcare. So I think that's really interesting too, because I think it's way worse in many other um, industries. So anyway, that was something that really came to mind. If you're a business owner, because I consult with a lot of different businesses and now that my eyes are open to it. I'm really turned on to what kind of culture they have around alcohol. And most of the time I'm not consulting with anything to do with alcohol, but it's more of a culture thing. Maybe it's a team development with the Enneagram. Those types of things is what I'm typically doing. But it's interesting to hear sort of those things that come out and you can kind of get a sense for what the company culture is. I've had intake meetings with people in person in their offices and they offer me a beer during the meeting. They have a whole bar in the office and I'm like, gosh, 
Wouldn't that be really hard if you were trying to take a long break from alcohol or you can't touch alcohol because you are an addict? Like, wow, what a hard environment to work in. And quite frankly, those are probably your sharpest people (laughs) because they're never hungover. Um, They're mentally clear. They've probably done a fair amount of work if they've stayed sober for a long time um, from an emotional health standpoint, from a physical health standpoint, all those things. They've probably gone through a lot of therapy. They're probably your sharpest people. And we sort of isolate them and then make them feel like they don't belong. And ultimately, they either leave or they never join the company when they walk in and see a culture that's like that. So, you know, that can feel a little hopeless for many of us and think, well, see, that's just another reason I've got all these work events and work dinners and conferences and retreats and everybody gets, you know, just obliterated on the retreats. What am I going to do? Well, I have had a few clients that have actually experienced this and they've gone and maybe they've had one drink or they've just ordered, uh, you know, tonic water and limes and nobody ever said a word and they never even talked about it and they just enjoyed themselves and they went to bed at a decent hour and they actually got a lot of information about all the people around them, not in like a sleazy way, but it is fascinating when you're the, when you're the only person not heavily drinking in an environment to just watch the way people's personalities change how they repeat themselves, all those things. So, and I also think that's another reason why non-drinkers don't get invited because the drinkers don't want to see, want people to see that, you know, they want everybody to be like on a level playing field with them. And I somewhat get that, you know? So, and you know, I've talked about this a lot. My whole thinking, like alcohol is kind of a neutral substance to me at this point. There was a time I've kind of had this evolution. I mean, there was a time that I thought I could never give it up, right? That was before I even like attempted and then, and I never took a break ever. Like I, except for pregnancy, that was it. I, when people would do dry Januaries, all that stuff, I like would laugh. I'm like, I don't understand what they're doing. It's stupid. So, um, you know, when I actually did take an extended break, it was like, whoa. So that's sort of been the evolution, you know, where I went from laughing at a dry January to actually considering it. And then I actually decided to do it. It just happened to be November 1st that I was like, I'm just not going to drink this whole month and see what happens. I had no rules on the other side of it. Just wanted to see what happened. So I committed to that and I started reading about alcohol and I was quite frankly, kind of pissed. I have a master's degree in nursing and didn't know any of this stuff. And here I'm reading about what it does to our bodies and our health and our mental health. And I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me this? What in the hell? So I was a little bit pissed at like the alcohol industry and just the way our culture has sort of worshipped alcohol. So I was kind of pissed. So then I was on the like, yeah, I think alcohol is pretty terrible. I like if we didn't have alcohol in the world, I think it would probably be a better place. And I, you know, I took that year off. I sort of started to question that thinking a little bit because I was like, well, wait a minute. Basically everything I've ever done, there's always like sort of a a balance, right? There's never an extreme on either end of it. And so I'm kind of like, well, maybe that's not fully true. Maybe a little bit of alcohol is fine. I just have to figure out what that is for me. Like I need some guardrails and I need to be able to figure out what my limits are. So when I started adding alcohol back in, that's where I started discovering that like, okay, good to know. Okay. This is, this is the right amount. I felt great. I didn't feel like I was even, you know, not able to drive a car. Um, I felt like I was still pretty clear headed. I feel like I felt great in the morning, still was productive the next day, you know, all those things. So that was sort of that, you know, evolution. And now I'm kind of in this space of like, like, I know there's a whole camp of people that talk about alcohol's poison all the time. It's awful. I just don't, for me personally, that's not 
where I'm at with it. It's just a neutral substance. It doesn't add tons of value to my life. Sometimes it adds connection and belonging to my life, and I need that. So sometimes that's true. Um, but I don't think it's the awful substance that maybe I at one point was starting to think it was and hearing it was and following a lot of people that were talking about it there. So anyway, it's kind of just neutral to me. I don't like, I don't worship it, but I also, uh, think that we need to have limits on it because I do think that it can, it can destroy a lot of lives for sure. And for people who were raised by alcoholics or live with alcoholics or have family members that are alcoholics, uh, you would probably disagree with my comment that it's neutral. It's probably a pretty horrible thing, uh, to you because you've, had to watch the disintegration of either yourself or all the people around you. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Just my thoughts and opinion certainly don't have to be yours, but I know a lot of you are kind of in that same camp of sort of that middle ground balance. Um, the other thing I said in my TikTok, which uh, I think is funny because I was one of them, like I was an executive and we didn't know what we were doing. None of us know what we're doing. Nobody in the world knows what we're doing. The president doesn't know what they're doing. Like nobody really knows what they're doing. We're all just trying to make the best decisions we possibly can. And when we're in those job roles, I think it's really hard to be drinking a, a you know significant amount of alcohol, like you know drinking a bottle of wine a night, like I was, and making really good decisions. Like we're just not as clear headed. We don't see things. My creativity is squashed when I'm. Um, drinking too much, my confidence is lower, my personality changes, all these things happen when I'm drinking. And so, you know, I do think that there's a, co- a connection there to the drinking, but, and also not knowing what we're doing, but let's be real. Nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody. And I know that like, I think I've got my shit together. Like, I think my life is pretty damn good. And I thought like, like I get thrown for a wrench all the time and then I have to solve that problem. And I do. And I move on, but like, do I really know the clear picture of what that, what my life's going to look like in a couple of years? Absolutely not. Nobody does. Um, I'm not saying that doesn't mean you don't sort of plan that out or sort of envision that. Absolutely do that. Um, I do think we can manifest what our visions can show us. I absolutely think that's true, but also just know that the human experience is a mess is messy, right? And we can't possibly predict those things. So What I want to leave you with is just some empowerment. If you're in the space of not wanting to drink or to drink very little, um, and you are invited to the happy hours and to all the things, still go. Um, Really try it on. Maybe it's going to be miserable, and if it is, at least you know. Um, But still go and just, just see how it feels. Do whatever you need to do in order to feel like you're still somewhat fitting into the group. So maybe that's ordering a tonic and lime great, do that. Maybe it's a club soda and like, you know, great, do that. I've done pineapple juice and club soda when they don't have anything else, if there's no mocktails or anything available. Perfect. You know, if they have mocktails, that's an easy one. You know, I just order it off the regular menu because it's on the menu. Thank you restaurants that do this. And nobody even has to know anything about it. And then I got to the next phase where I started really openly talking about it, where I was like, oh yeah, I I actually have really cut back my alcohol use and it just didn't make me feel good. And I wanted to see what life was like without it. And people are like, oh, tell me more. Like it's actually started some really great conversations. So I also want you to sort of test your assumptions in these scenarios that you have to drink or that they're wanting you to drink. And also check that people-pleasing at the door because that is something we are doing. Like stand in your own power. Don't people-please everyone else. 
please yourself. And I know that I say that all the time and people are like, okay, cool. I get to please myself. But you know what I mean? Like you're letting yourself down and you would never let these other people down. This is ass backwards. We got to flip that script. So I just want to leave you in an empowering space to say, I'm not going to drink right now, or I'm just not drinking right now and be open about it. Like you wouldn't believe the number of really cool conversations I've had. And then other people saying, oh yeah, me too. This is a club, club soda and pineapple juice. I'm like, what? You know, so it's, you'd be fascinated. So test all your assumptions here. I think that's part of the experiment for sure. And then if you are a leader in a company or you own your own business, just open your eyes to the culture that you have. And if that is the healthiest culture for everyone, and if if it is an, an inclusive culture for everyone, and consider what you might be missing out on by maybe having alcohol as sort of the center of part of your workplace culture. It could be a pretty big thing that you're missing out on. So just keep that in mind. You know, I think it used to be like everybody's got bars and the Silicon Valley stuff, you know, started and everybody had, you know, alcohol in their offices. And I think that's starting to just really start to, you know, dismantle a bit. And people are like, wait a minute, maybe this isn't so great after all. Maybe we don't want to recreate Mad Men in 2022. So have a wonderful week. Don't forget to check out my program that you can join. Like I said, first week is free. Check out the vibe. See what you think. If you want to keep going, you pay $3.97 for the additional 11 weeks of content. So almost three months of content. Plus you get that online learning platform. It's a no brainer. You're going to save that much money in alcohol if you choose to take a break during that time. So please check that out. It's in the show notes. You can also go to rachelpritz.com. And I look forward to talking to you next week.